Welcome to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clues series with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that is different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts. Welcome back to the Starting With One podcast, Success Leaves Clue series. Thank you to our audience for helping us achieve our top 20 of 2021 status. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. We believe sound financial advice improves people's lives. We are also brought to you by Aria Benefits. We help visionary entrepreneurs to grow their companies through attracting and retaining top talent. Want to find out the top seven secrets that super successful CEOs already know? Then reach out and we'll have a great conversation. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here today without my co-host and business partner, Al McDonald. Al is having a super busy week, which I'm happy about, so I'm running solo today. I really feel like I have to start this episode off in a very special way, so here goes. Being recorded out of the Starting With One podcast in studio in Mississauga, Ontario, this episode is scheduled for 15 to 30 minutes. Recording out of the red corner. Okay, that was a lot of fun. And I think you're going to see why that's appropriate once we do the intro. So today's guest is Elliot Marshall, who is a former professional mixed martial artist and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under Amal Easton. That is incredibly difficult to achieve. Anyone who's listening, my martial arts community will certainly know that. What an accomplishment that is. Coming through BJJ's belt system, Elliot was a prolific competitor, becoming the first American to earn the IBJJF Pan American titles as blue, purple, and brown belt. It was also while climbing the ranks of BJJ that Elliot decided to enter the world of mixed martial arts in 2006, eventually competing in the Ultimate Fighter and then signing for the UFC, the most prestigious MMA promotion in the world. I think everybody knows that. In 2011, after a few ups and downs with his MMA career, Marshall decided to hang up the gloves and open Easton Training Center in Denver along with his coach, Amal Easton. In addition to being the co-owner and head instructor at Easton Training Center, Elliot became the head coach of Elevation Fight Team, one of the country's most highly regarded MMA teams. And despite his success as a business owner and coach, in the summer of 2015, Elliot suffered through a bout of severe anxiety, insomnia, and depression which he hadn't experienced since his adolescence. Relying on support from his friends and family in conjunction with ongoing therapy, Elliot has been able to overcome his anxiety and now seeks to help others who may be suffering with a similar affliction. Elliot returned to the BJJ competition scene in 2016 and began tallying wins against some of the best jiu-jitsu competitors in the world while donating his entire purse to help Easton students who might be struggling with anxiety and depression it allows them to receive the care and therapy they otherwise couldn't afford. In his book, The Gospel of Fire, Elliot shares his story of breaking down and learning to build himself back up by acknowledging his shortcomings, accepting his challenges, freeing himself from fear, and maximizing his opportunities. Sharing the experiences and tools that helped him battle back from the edge of despair, Elliot shows you how to discover your own why and refocus your days on how to achieve it. Elliot, welcome to the show. Robin, thanks for having me, man. Sometimes I listen to that and I'm like, man, I got to edit some of that. I got to move and shift some things. It's so <laughs> funny listening to someone else talk about your bio. And sometimes it makes me uncomfortable when people are doing that to me. But as someone who's reading that, I'm already inspired. I mean, this conversation is already inspired. And 
I'm so happy you agreed to come on the show because I think this is a time it's, it's very timely, you know, we're almost two years into the pandemic and, right. and, you know, I have conversations with people and everyone I talked to, I said, if your mental health has not been affected in the last 18 months, I really got to question that because everyone I talked to has had struggles through this time. And, and of course, that's not what this episode is about. We're not going to talk about the pandemic necessarily. But mental health is such an important topic. So I'm so glad you you agreed. And I think it's very timely that we're talking about it. Well, first, thanks. And mental health, it's, it's not this thing that you conquer, right? Like it, it's this fight that you must fight. And you have to wake up and fight every day is how I see mental health. You know, I relate everything to fighting because it was such a massive influence in my life. So look, I'm in the middle of it right now again. Like it's, it's not super easy for me right now. I'm waking up in the middle of the night sometimes to a panic attack or severe anxiety. Like it's waking me up. The difference is I have the skills and tools from my past and my history of how to fight. Like I know how to fight. I can just have the panic attack. You know, I can just have the, all right, here I am. If it's going to be 45 minutes, I'm going to be awake. You know what? I'm not going to just sit here and start to freak. I'm going to turn my phone on. I'm going to watch it. Like, you know, I got YouTube TV on my phone or something. You know, I have some, some ways to get myself through it, you know, some tools. So yeah, I agree with you. If this has been an easy 19 months or 18 months, wherever we are, man, maybe you should check yourself in, Yeah, you know, you know, maybe you should check yourself in. So I think that's why this episode in particular, because again, a lot of my entrepreneur business leader audience, I'm finding out rather happily. It's funny how you find out we have a corporate video where there's a little shot of me doing both Muay Thai and, and Jiu Jitsu. And the amount of feedback I was telling you that I get back from that and people that want to connect on that basis. So I think it's really important that you're starting this episode and we're not even into the interview yet, right, questions, right. and you're already saying, Hey, listen, here's a very accomplished guy. You know, you're an author, you have sea fighter and you're starting off saying, Hey, I'm struggling. Yeah. I think that's incredibly important. People might look at you and say, Oh, look at this, this tough guy. And, and you know, wow, he, nothing affects this guy. And the fact that you're starting out saying, Hey, I, I struggle but I've got tools now to, to do that. I, I think that's an important message because I think there's a lot of people out there that may feel I'm alone. I can't show weakness. I can't show that I'm struggling. And that's why I've had the, I mentioned to you before we get started, I, I have had people that said, oh, this hasn't affected me at all. And I question that because I think it's affected everyone. I think there's so many challenges in life now. So I think it's a really important message that you're coming out with. I just see weakness as something very different, right? Like, of course, we're all weak in areas. The way I have learned to deal with it, because I would say for the first 35 years of my life, I don't know, whenever I was conscious enough to know that I, I had weaknesses, whenever, you know, however you figure that out, I would hide them. And when you hide them, like I read this book called The Untethered Soul, and it, it described like, you know, you have a, a prick, like a thorn in your arm, you know, what's the easiest way to deal with a thorn is you just flick it out. You know, but what we do with our internal weaknesses a lot, right? Not our external ones is we cover it with this bandaid and then the bandaid starts to wear off and you cover it and you cover it. And now all of a sudden you have this thing on your arm covering this little thorn that if you just dealt with it or admitted that you had a thorn, it would be so easy. So that's how I deal with weakness. I go, yo, look, I'm weak here because what do other people try to sometimes use your weaknesses against you? So if I tell you that I have a lot of fear, if I tell you I have anxiety, if I tell you that I have imposter syndrome, and if I tell you all of these things that I know aren't the most skillful that, you know, do I wish they were different? I don't even know if I wish they were different. You know, if, if I tell you that, what, what are you going to do? 
it's like the eight mile. Remember the movie eight mile with him? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right? He gets nervous and he can't go rap. And his buddy has sleeps with this girl and his mom's sleeping with his friend and his car don't work. And, and he's got all these things. And then in the last scene with Papa Doc, he goes first and he goes, Papa Doc, what are you going to say? And he just raps, you know, he just freestyles about everywhere where he's bad. And he goes, now, what do you have? And he yeah. hands him the mic and Papa Doc, uh, uh, and he chokes. <laughs> yeah, and he can't exactly. got nothing. But he just used all his material. So if, if I just come out and say, yeah, man, look, this is who I am, you know, and this is where I'm flawed because we're all flawed. We all have, we all have these things that we wish were different. So if I just tell you what they are, how are you going to use them against me? I already know them. Yeah, exactly. That's I, just how I see it. I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry. I'm glad you did because I think it's an important point. And I think weakness has been associated with mental health and I think it's the wrong Weakness word has been that. associated with softness. Yes. Yes. Right? And it's weakness not and softness have been, yeah. have been put together. Like you must be a soft human being and then not capable and then yeah. a loser. And then all of these things, right? We all have weaknesses. Absolutely. Right? Michael Jordan had weaknesses in his basketball game. He couldn't go under the post and post up with Shaq. He wouldn't try though. He knew this, right? Like everyone has a weakness. It does not mean you're soft. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's jump into it yeah. again. Maybe, maybe this question is a little bit selfish because it's, it's one that I want to talk about, but I'm hoping yeah, it's one of the listeners want to hear too. I've talked about before what martial arts has done for me in mm. my career. And, and I mm. really have seen it carry on to my business career. And I think it's one of the reasons why I'm successful, but I'd love to hear from someone who is a lifelong martial artist, who is a coach, you're coaching young people in your mind, what is the real purpose of martial arts? Number one, it starts out as for the individual. Okay. It develops an individual human, especially Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Muay Thai, from my opinion, they develop a human better than any other skill. And what do I mean by that? You fail, you suck. And this is just the truth of life too. You can't walk you're born and we're, we're totally dependent on a mother and a father or whoever is going to raise us. We can't eat on our own. We can't do anything on our own. We need assistance and you fail and fail and fail. Okay. You can't walk. You try to get up, you fall down. And for some reason, for most of our life, this doesn't bug us right for our childhood. It doesn't really bug you. What do they say between zero and five, you learn more than the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Right. So for those first five years, it, you just, whatever, I'll just get up and try again. I'll get up and try again. Like, oh, look me. Yay. You know, martial arts brings that back. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Muay Thai, they bring that back. You can't do anything. Like I have this student, you know, she's 125 pounds. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're not going to get her off of you. Right. As a 170 pound male, she will mount you and choke you out. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, and you're like, what the hell? So you're, you're helpless again. And then oh, wait a minute. I start to be a little less helpless. I'm not winning yet. There's no winning. There's no winning going on, but there's this, okay, I can, I can keep myself safe. Oh, oh, oh God, look at this. Look at this. And, and, and that, that journey, that journey of building true self-esteem just continues. Yeah. Right. And as you get better and it's, it's hard and you have to do really hard things. You get beat up, you go home, your neck's all scratched up and your wife or your husband, whoever it is, is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And you're like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing this, but I'm doing this just because there's, there's something drawn out of you of struggle. It teaches you to deal with struggle. I use a lot of, you know, movie references, I guess. Uh, Fight Club said it best, man. After fighting, everything else gets the volume turned down. 
it's just a little quieter. If you can deal with someone having their arm around your neck, trying to strangle you, you know, and you can learn how to stay calm in that situation and then like, okay, and then assess what it is you need to do. Come on, man. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. You bring back such good memories for me when I first started my jujitsu. It was in Woodbridge and it was around the time the first UFC. Mm. And of course, everybody knows the story. Hoist Gracie, this Brazilian guy, 170 pounds, soaking wet and just destroying everybody. And I remember thinking, what the heck is that? I've got to learn this. And my brother said, well, there's a place down in, in Woodbridge and, and you should go check it out. So I walk in, Sill and Dan Maroney were teaching and I just, I fell in love from the very first moment that I did it. Mm-hmm. But I remember Elliot, I thought growing up, I was reasonably tough. I could handle myself. And I walked in and, and maybe Dan, my instructor could tell I was a little bit cocky. And I was probably a solid 185 back then. And he puts me against this blue belt who couldn't have been more than 140 pounds. And exactly to your point about your student, this 125 pound girl, he wiped the floor with me. And it was for that reason that I said, this shouldn't be happening. There's no way in heck this guy should be able to dominate me like that. And it was the reason why I fell in love with jujitsu. And I want to unpack this some more in in a minute, but just from my own perspective, you talked about it failing and failing and failing and failing. Well, that's what life is about. And when I look at my business, there are so many things that I've tried. And I posted on LinkedIn a couple of days ago about taking the risk. Are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing to, to get red faced when you're up on stage? Are you willing to start sweating? Are you willing to be embarrassed? Because one of the things that I love about martial arts, and, and I agree with you, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in particular, it forces you to face adversity. And it teaches you that, okay, when I was on the mat, I would get tapped out. And then I'd go back and I try to figure out, and usually I'd ask my training partner, okay, what happened there? What did I do wrong? What, how do I do that? And eventually you might not start tapping that person, but you become more adept at defending yourself and keeping safe. And for me, I've applied that across to my business career about facing adversity. There's so many times when I started down this journey, when I wanted to pull my hair out and I was going home to talk to my wife, why am I doing this? I'm never going back, but you learn to face adversity and keep going back. So I want to go back in time because I'd I'd be interested to hear all of the stuff that you're talking about and the importance of where it's taken you in your, not only your career, but your life. When and how did you discover this? When did you start your martial arts journey? So I started when I was six. Oh, wow. So you started very early. I started very young. I started in 1986 in this style called Korean karate here. Look, this is a little bit of a story. Let's back it up. So for me, what this all became, okay, and this led to also my mental health issue, I was born to a black dad, you know, I have a black dad and I have a Jewish mother whose parents survived the Holocaust. So I'm born 1980 back up where my dad was. My dad went through civil rights in America, right? So I have a very connected and personal story of being an other, (laughs) you know, and not being safe. My dad wasn't safe in his childhood and journey. And my grandparents were obviously not safe. And then when they had my mother, look, they had just gotten out of the camps, man. Like this is nothing but fear. Wow. And I spent a lot of time with them. I have a lot of Holocaust stories and what these stories were like. Your life is not safe. Your life is not safe, you know? And then it actually started to come true for me. You know, we moved to this town in South Jersey. And as we're building our house, my house is spray painted. Niger's go home. Yes, they spelled the word wrong. They got it right on like the second and third times. Swastikas all over, you know? And this was just a constant thing for me growing up and where I was. So I wasn't safe. I had very few friends 
in high school, all I had was karate. I was doing karate. It started karate at this point, you know, and there I fit in because you just, you know, martial arts have this thing where if you just go, if you just show up, you assimilate to the culture and the culture accepts you. Exactly. You know, so um, here I go, you know, I'm going, I'm going, I get a black belt I'm teaching. I'm still at school though. I'm just an outcast. I'm this total outcast, because there's no one in my town like me other than my sister, this black kid who's Jewish, you know, with it's kind of weird parents. Well, you know, you have to, again, remember the times this wasn't so accepted in 1980, right. In the eighties, like the black dude, Jewish, white lady, you know? Uh, so this is my life. And then I found out about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and I started a little bit and my friends doing karate started it and they showed it to me. You know, and I go back to school, like my senior year of high school and, you know, I'm talking about it a little bit. And some of these wrestlers are like, yeah, let's see, we'll beat your ass, you know, because wrestlers are very tough. Yes. Oh yeah, you know? absolutely. And they didn't beat my ass, <laughs> you know, and, and they were state champs, you know, a couple of them wow. were state champs and, uh, and I sucked still. Right. But they had no clue what I was doing. And then I started to get popular, not popular. I just, I saw people start to like me. I got a girlfriend. Somebody made out with me. So in my brain, I associated this toughness fight guy with safety. Okay. I connect them, right? I connect them and I go, you know what? And the UFC is still very young. You know, if I get to be the toughest dude, people will love me and care about me. Because the only people up until this point that loved and care about me were my mom and dad and my sister and like my, my immediate family. Nobody else did. So I do that and I just get really tough. And when you get tough, people like you. They're drawn to you, right? But mine was a facade. Mine was a mask. So I couldn't be weak. I couldn't show my weakness. Because if I showed my weakness, then I wouldn't be tough. If I wasn't tough, then I'd be all alone again and people would be spray painting my house. I'd be left all alone. Eventually that crumbles, man. Especially yeah. when, you, when you try to go be the champ of the world. Yeah. And it crumbled. And then I crumbled. And then people were still there for me. So then what I saw was that, okay, I don't have to be so tough. I can be this different person right? I can be the person that I, maybe I truly am. So I started to ask this question as well, who is Elliot if he's not this? And then, you know, I've come to some, you know, definitions of who is Elliot. And I think that's where we have to start our journeys, like with this failure thing, and I'll tie it to the business here. Now I know exactly who I am, right? I, I know what it means to be Elliot. Like I have actual definitions to it. I am. And then I love myself because I, at the end, I, I know I'm enough. You know, I know you, we're doing only audio, but this picture behind me to my left is Martin Luther King. It's the darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So the question for me became, who do I have to love first? Well, I have to love Elliot first, right? If I don't love Elliot, then I, I can't help. And my kids, my wife, nothing, you know? So I love me and I know who I am. And if I love me and I know who I am, then there's no outside event that can really, I like to say, fuck with me. <laughs> Right. Exactly. So my I am, for example, Robin, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a teacher. I'm a student. I'm a fighter. I'm a survivor. I am enough at the end. Right. The last one, I am enough. What event, what failure or success changes any of them? If my businesses crumble, will any of them change? No, none of them. If somebody comes down and my businesses are wildly successful and I become the next Gary Vaynerchuk, and I have hundreds of millions of dollars. Do any of those IMs change? No, they're the same. They're the same. So no outside event can touch me, right? I can adjust and yeah, sure. They can piss me off and all those things, but no event touches me. So if no event touches me, the quote over here to my right is the Teddy Roosevelt quote, right? The man in the arena that now allows me to just enter the arena over and over and over again.
my favorite part is the end, that I'll never be with those cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. Because there's a lot of defeat on this road. There's a lot of failure, way more failure than anything else on, on whatever journey you're trying, right? Yeah. I tried to be a world champion in jiu-jitsu, failed. I tried to be a world champion in the UFC, failed. My businesses, you know, we do okay. But, you know, it's just this massive failure over and over. You've never met a more failing successful guy. This is how I like to say it. But I know exactly who I am. Yeah. Without a doubt, I know who I am. I love myself. And then I just enter the arena over and over and over again. And when it goes bad, I just don't really fucking care, man. I love what you're saying. And I've never even thought about that. And that's an exercise that, that is going to happen is today that I, I haven't defined who I am. Who's Robin Bailey, right? Mm -hmm. And I love the last one. It's, it's like our guiding principles of our company. The last one is the most important. And I think I would say the last one is the most important that you listed that I am enough. Yeah. Can we talk about, because, you know, we, we've talked about your journey who you were growing up, why you didn't feel safe, why you felt maybe a little bit of an outsider. But as you began that martial arts career, you began getting friends. You know, you said it, you know, yeah. the first person wanted to make out with you, that sort of thing. Yeah. And <laughs> people, people looked at you and said, wow, I like that guy. I want to be around that guy. But at some point, and we chatted about this from the top of the, the episode, I guess, where and when did that journey with anxiety begin? Because, you know, from an outsider looking in, well, here's this guy very good at martial arts and, and boy, I want to hang around with him and he's tough and it seems like a cool guy and martial arts is cool. So, so where does that come in with all this? Every day when you leave the house and I'm not placing any blame on anyone here, like my parents and my grandparents, right? Because how, how could they think any differently every day when you leave the house and you're my dad still to this day says, watch your back. Why? Why dad? There's something bad coming, right? When you go to your grandparents' house, and I, I would go every day after school, you know, and nobody came over. No one came over that house because it wasn't safe because they'll turn you into the Nazis, right? If people see what you have, they will turn you into the Nazis. When you go down in the basement and there's just stocks and stocks of food from a decade ago, why? Why do we live like this? Because we have to be safe. What do we have to be safe from? We have to be safe from Hitler and we have to be safe from the racists, right? because that was their experience. And I know we do this a lot now in this day and age. Everyone's like, oh, I'm not a racist. I'm not trying to talk about right now. I'm trying to talk about two people that just survived the Holocaust. And I'm talking about a dude who grew up in civil rights, you know, and was pulled out of cars and all of this stuff. You know, that was their experience. How could they not be afraid? That's where mine came from. And then it came true. Like the house, the no friends, the all of this. And then, and then it happened to me as well. And you're like, God damn, okay, I need to be real fucking careful. But you still, as this kid, you want friends. I don't have quite their experience. I'm not as scared as they are. They have real fear. I have like kind of imagined fear. So then your brain starts to imagine things, right? And you don't know how to move through them because it didn't actually happen to me. I didn't actually survive the Holocaust, but it sure did feel like it, right? It sure did yeah. feel like it with the stories as a young kid. And again, I don't fault them there. How could they not tell the story? They're so affected by it. So that's where it came from. And then I built this shell, just like that thorn I was talking about. I built this shell of bravado and toughness and ego and, and, and all of that stuff that protected me because I could kick your ass. And then you go to the UFC and then you don't become the world champion. Other people kick your ass. So you are not the toughest anymore. So what did I do then? I screamed it even more. And then it cracked, man. I couldn't keep up with it. I couldn't keep up with the front. And uh, we had to rebuild right? We had to break all the way down and then we had to rebuild. So 
we rebuilt. And I say we, because I wasn't alone. Yeah. And when you ask again, the other thing that martial arts really do, the most important thing that my schools do is they make it so that nobody ever has to be alone again. If you ask me the purpose of the school, it's so that nobody has to feel alone and unaccepted ever again in their life. We have you. Not me, maybe. I don't know. I won't say me. We. We've got you. And that's the goal in everything that I do in my life is we have you. And I think that's, it's certainly true. And I, and I hear it and I, and I believe it when you say it for, for certain, but it's one of the things that I love about the jujitsu community. I was, I was chatting and I, Elliot, I think I mentioned, I, I had recently retired, retired in quotations from jujitsu. And uh, of course no one ever retires. I mean, you, you take some time off and you see those mats again, or you, you watch a fight and you think, Oh, geez. And uh, one of the guys that I trained with a great training partner, He's opening up a new school now that things were opening up out in Hamilton near our way. And I said, well, you never know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll come out of retirement. And he said, he said something in it. And I think it will speak to exactly what you're saying. He said, that's the great thing about jujitsu. It's always there for you. Right. And especially for kids who are struggling and knowing that there's a place where they're accepted, where they're welcome, where they're going to be welcome without anything. And one of the things that I always liked about jujitsu, as soon as you step on the mats, you are all the same. It doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. I would train with lawyers and guys working, you know, part-time in a, in a warehouse and, and it would just all walks of life. It doesn't and, matter. And it is just, it just levels the playing field. And especially that's another story because the gi, you know exactly what belt that person is, but especially no gi, you step on the mat, you, you're all equal. You know, you don't know who's, who's who anymore. Your um, money doesn't matter. No. Fame doesn't matter. Exactly. How good looking your husband or wife is doesn't matter. Yeah. None of it matters because yeah. the only thing that matters is the skill and the sweat on the mat. And then look, and here's the beauty of jujitsu. This is the connector piece is you can't get good alone. Yeah. So right. You need, you need somebody else. You need, you need good training partners. Yeah. You need a lot of people, right? That's you true. need a lot of people. It's like flavors of ice cream. You can't figure out your flavor of ice cream until you've had them all. And then yeah. once you've had them all, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. But you might even come back to vanilla. Yeah. Right. You know, my dad's favorite ice cream is vanilla. It's the first one he's ever had too. But you, you got to go experience. You need to see how this person moves and that person moves and they teach you something. And I don't teach jujitsu. I teach ideas. I teach critical thinking. Yeah. Okay? My job is to be able to give my students the ability to critically think in high pressure situations. And if you can do that, if you, if you can calm the mind, Okay. And now look, this is now business. This is life. This is everything. If we can calm the mind and be in a high pressure situation and learn how to block out the noise and see what the task in front of you is. Now you're just a much more skillful human being. Yeah. Right. You're just a much more skillful human being. You know that the person over there barking isn't going to do shit. Right. Yeah. Or the, the employee over there. Okay. I'll handle you in a second, but what right now we got this fire right here. I'm going to handle the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right because in life, I mean, jujitsu, you're forced to face adversity every day, every day you're on the mats and you learn how to be calm in those situations and not panic. And in life, especially in business, you and I both know that we are going to face adversity. There are things coming around the corner that we have no idea. We can't peek around the corner yet that are coming and being able to deal with those in a professional and calm manner. I mean, it's a game changer. Have you ever seen a pandemic before? <sighs> You know, Elliot, I was, I was talking to my wife the other day. I said, it's like we're living through a movie. Yeah. I've right never now. seen one. And Who I, the hell knew what to do? 
I remember sitting with my employees, you know, March, 2020, we sent them home by April. We were saying, we have no idea what's going to go on. We might have to lay you off. I mean, what a terrible conversation to have as a leader of an organization that people that depend on you. Yeah. So we're facing things that we, we never had. And, and I honestly do say, I, you know, I won't say that just, just because I'm a jujitsu practitioner, I believe that training all those years has made me a better prepared human being for facing this adversity because there's pressure coming from every direction. And it's a really hard time right now. Hey, Elliot, I got to ask you a question Mm because I've always wondered this, you know, I see guys walking into the ring and of course, you know, I've seen you walk into the ring or the cage, sorry. And you can see the confidence on these guys' faces and they're just, you know, there's, there's no way they're going to get beat. Now that we're talking about this, what's the reality? Like when you were walking into that cage and doing your walk-in, was there any anxiety there or were you just like, nope, man, I'm the man, I'm going to, I'm going to do you're, it. You're squeezing your asshole so tight, Robin, that you don't shit yourself, bro. <laughs> don't, you're so scared. Yeah. You know, you're so scared. You're petrified, but that's what real courage is. Look, if you're not afraid, then you're not courageous. Yeah. You know, there's nothing. It's easy. Okay. Are you afraid when you walk to your mailbox and get the mail? No. Why? There's no fucking risk. Yeah. There's no risk. There's no danger involved. What's going to happen? I mean, I know people die walking to their mailbox sometimes, but that's the goal, man. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. That's the internal test of it. Yeah. Uh, is that is that you're scared and he's scared? Yeah. Now, when you're not scared, is once you touch each other. Okay. Then the fear goes away. The fear immediately goes away. Interesting. Because why? No one's afraid to actually do something. Like when you're riding the bike, you're not afraid of riding the bike. You are now you're just riding the bike. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're afraid of fighting until you fight. And then when you fight, you just fight. Yeah. It's this weird thing. It just goes because now you got shit to do. Yeah. Interesting. And and I do relate that over to business again because like you, I do a lot of things, right? Like doing the podcast and building brands. I'm I'm doing things that'll change the industry. And people will sometimes make the comment, like, oh my gosh, I can't can't believe how innovative you guys are and you're doing all these things and they have no idea that half the time it's like exactly you said the imposter syndrome sometimes you think i have no idea what i'm doing half the time with these ideas i don't know what's going to work what's not going to work but it's that courage to take a chance and be willing to be embarrassed and willing to fail and willing to see what is going to work i think that's so important so i'm glad we got to that question because i wanted to ask you that i always wondered look sometimes we think we have to be perfect and perfect is, you know, social media does that. Like, you know, you th- people take these perfect pictures, man, look, I'm doing this Maui mastermind, you know, Jeff Lopes told me to hit you up about it. So I did. And I sent out an email, I don't know, three months ago, I put it on my Instagram and I sent it to my email list. Like, yo, who's, who's interested? No commitment, just interested. Sign up here, enter your name in here. And I suck at this, man. I suck at web shit. And I sent a link, the link you clicked on, it was dead. Oh my God. You know? And then, and then like no one signing up, zero interest. I'm like, oh God, I suck. Ugh. Like, you know, no one wants to do this. That's a terrible idea. And then I like check my thing. I'm like, oh, God damn it, man. The link's dead. You dumbass. Yeah. So I have two options here, right? Look, and what I did was I just sent another email and I said, man, how many times am I going to mess this up? I am terrible at email marketing. I'm an idiot. I sent a dead link. Here's the real link. Here's the one. If yeah. you're interested, click it. And then, you know, there it went. So what are you going to do when you fail? What are you going to do when times get hard? Are you going to try to deny it? Are you going to say, no, man, stop, you know, like people right now with my rights, you know, get over it. And now look, I I mean, 
Do I think some things are going too far? Yeah, sure. But it's all in how you can adjust. How do you adjust so that you can keep surviving, so that you can keep treading water? You don't get to just win all the time. Yeah. You know, and whether it's the government or another person, I get it. It sucks. It fucking sucks. How do you adjust so that you can stay afloat? This is what, in my opinion, from my perspective, the real winners do. I want to talk about keeping afloat because, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about your book, The Gospel of Fire. Mm-hmm. Who is that book best suited for? You know, we've got listeners out there. There are people from all walks of life who are listening to the show. There's obviously a lot of entrepreneurs listening and as well as business owners. Some people may maybe going through some struggles right now, particularly now with everything going on in the world. Who's going to benefit from reading that book? Anybody who's around somebody or is themselves struggling. Okay. Right. It's, it's my journey of struggle, what it looked like and how I started to get myself out. Now, look, that's changed. I've, I've learned some, I think I wrote that book in 2017. So I figured out some more skillful tools, not some better ones. I don't like to use this word better and worse and best and all that skillful and unskillful. I've learned some more skillful tools as we should, right? If I'm the same man that I am today, that I was 10 years ago, I wasted 10 years. So if you're struggling, the book is to let you know that you're not alone. That this person, that when you Google my name, you see this fighter, this big 250 pound guy that's in shape and can beat people up. And then you find Elliot, the business owner, he's all this stuff, man. That's just some things that I do. And I've had the, the luck to be able to accomplish. And yes, I know a lot of people don't like that word, the luck to be able to accomplish. Um, you know, I say luck here, Robin, because everyone goes, oh, no, man, you worked so hard. That's true. That's true. I I worked incredibly hard and I still work incredibly hard, but there's people that work way harder for me for just a cup of water, bro, every day just to get a cup of water. So I've had the incredible luck to have my hard work then actually pay off. And I had nothing to do with that. Yeah. Absolutely nothing to do with that. So the book is for you. If you need a little me too, where, you know, where it's uh, like, hey, man, you're not the only one. I want to show people that it's possible to get out of it. And I know, man, like maybe I'll end up there again. And if I end up there again, I'll be scared. Like, don't get me wrong. I'll be petrified. But what I'll do is I'll wake up. I'll do my breathing, you know, my meditation. I will make the four agreements and I make them every day. And then I'll say who I am, say thanks to all the people that love me, get up, do my day. I think it's an amazing message. And like I said, at the top of the episode, I think this was so timely. Unfortunately, I'm beginning to get calls in my line of business where there's some serious, serious mental health issues and consequences going on. I look after a lot of companies, obviously with the employee benefits. So I hear Mm -hmm. these stories. So I think it's incredibly important and I appreciate you and who you are. And I'm glad we've started a friendship because I think it's important for people like you who are seen as you know, brimming with confidence and so tough. And, you know, like you said, you kick most people's ass, quite frankly. I think it's very, very important that you've come out and being so open and honest. So I want to thank you for joining us today. And and thanks for sharing your story. What's the best way for people to reach out to you if they have any questions about what yourself, your book or, or what you're doing next? Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out this LinkedIn thing. Like the LinkedIn thing is hard. So the, really still the best place to contact me if you want to converse with me is Instagram, firemarshall205, and then my website, elliotmarshall.com. So if you're struggling and you just want to take one little step, go to my website and right at the top, there's this, how do I start my day? How I 
begin each and every day so that I get ahead of it. So if you're struggling, if, if that resonated with you, go there, elliotmarshall.com. And right there, you can just enter your email and you'll, you'll get the free download. Yeah. My website, Instagram, and you can get everything off of there, right? You can, okay. you can get everything off of there. Like it's all right there. It's all in like the header of the website or the click link in bio and all that stuff. So yeah, grab it there. And I know this episode ended up being a lot about mental health. And like, as we end, I, I really want to say, I think, I think we have a big male problem in the world. I think we have a lot of males trying to scream about how great they are, how strong I am. I'm a fucking lion, you know, all, all this shit. I won't ever say that I'm a lion, Robin, you know, because Tom Brady doesn't walk around saying he's a Super Bowl champion. He just fucking is. Yeah. Once you start talking about how tough you are and how much of a lion you are and what a strong man looks like, you're the opposite to me. So let, let's just go show the world. Yeah. You know, let's just go show the world that like, let's just keep our mouth shut and go out there and show the world. I have no clue if I'm a lion or not. I have no fucking clue. And I really am unconcerned. I, I really, really am. I just want to be the best father, husband, and teacher. And after I do, like, those are my top three I ams. And once I do those three things, we'll be straight. Yeah, exactly. I will also add that if you're a YouTube user and you want to see a mm. incredibly inspiring talk, because it's the first one that I saw before I met Elliot, there is a TEDx talk on YouTube that is fantastic. And if you're getting up early one morning and you need a little bit of juice to get you going before the day starts, man, watch that and you'll be set for the next two weeks as far as I'm concerned. So Elliot- That's more of the luck of my life, Robin, right? I've, I've never done a talk before. And then all of a sudden Amazing. Like, this guy from Ted hit me up. Amazing. You know, like this is just, that's what I'm saying. Like I, I'm just a lucky dude. Amazing. Well, that does it for today's episode, folks. I really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you did too. Al wasn't with us today, but if you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or by joining the conversation on LinkedIn. Success leaves clues, my friends. And remember, it all starts with one.